Well, hello, folks. My name is Joel Saint, pastor of the Independence Reformed Bible Church that meets in Pennsylvania, USA, and also the executive director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. Thank you so much for joining us all together for this conference, online conference. 500 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther declared that his conscience was captive to the Word of God. Are we saying the exact opposite thing this day, that our conscience is captive to anything but the Word of God? I want to talk to you today about lockdown lunacy, voluntarily scattering the sheep, the church amidst lockdown lunacy, and it is lunacy, my friends. How the church has not only failed, but actually aided the enemies of Christ. And I want to make five points today. I want to talk about Pastor James Coates there in Canada. I want to talk about what Moses said, let my people go. I want, to under, want you to understand that pastors today are voluntarily scattering the sheep. They're doing the work of the enemies of Christ. The enemies of Christ want to scatter the sheep. Pastors are doing that on their own. All they have to do is be asked, apparently, in many cases. I want to talk about the terrible example being set in the church of Jesus Christ to the sheep, to the attenders of our churches. And finally, then, I want to talk about this whole covering our faces thing, this masking thing that we're voluntarily doing. So I want to start out talking about Pastor James Coates there in Alberta, Canada. His church has been padlocked. It's been fenced. And one of the most important things that's not being talked about so much is that they have put, the, the state authorities have put a mask, a tarp, across the front of his church. And it's time we realize that this has been the target the whole time. The target has been the Church of Jesus Christ. And the authorities in Canada, why would they put a, a mask? Why would they put a tarp? across the front of the church. Isn't two fences or some say even three now? Is that not good enough? But we have to talk about this today because there are those who are attacking Pastor James Coates and saying that he's just a glory hound and so forth and that he really doesn't need to do what he's doing. In fact, all he really needs to do is comply. I, I, I want to read a Reverend Greg Glatz. He is the minister of the Calgary in the same city as Pastor Coates is. He's the minister of the Calgary's Knox United Church, and he says that Grace, Grace Life has flagrantly and arrogantly defied public health orders. Now, please understand this. I said in the beginning, you're going to have faith in the Word of God or the Word of man. There's no third way. And many churchmen are demonstrating their faith in the Word of man. This pastor says, I think it was long overdue you know, to um, lock down this church. It was long overdue, and it needed to be done, he said, of the closure. Glatt says his church has increased its online offerings. Aha, I think we've got Peter here. Increased its online offerings, and that most churches have found ways to combine compliance with health regulations and faith. Aha. You see? You see what he has faith in there? He is going to see that the health regulations, the minister of health, that's the one that he has to obey. You see, the word of God is flexible, but the word of the health minister is not. 
He goes on to say, it makes no sense that a church would have to take a hard stand and say, you know, in the name of faithfulness to God or in the name of faithfulness to our congregation, we have to defy public health orders, he said. You see what's flexible here. The word of Christ is flexible. Eh, you know, we, we don't have to obey that necessarily. But the word of the state, that's not flexible there at all. And there's many other Greg Glatzes going on and passing themselves off as pastors in front of the Church of Jesus Christ in North America today. He is a hireling and a fraud because he has faith in the word of man, not in the word of God. Secondly, then, I want to talk about Moses. Now, Moses said, we, we quote Moses all the time, let my people go. But it's intriguing to me that he didn't just say, let my people go. When God first appears to Moses, he says to Moses, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And we see other places where God said, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Now think about that for a minute. God saw holding a feast to him, his people congregating, he saw that as service to him. Let's definitely not forget that because there's some things I want to point out about that right now very quickly from Exodus chapter 4. And Moses and Aaron, they, they, stand before, um, they stand before Pharaoh. And what happens is when they stand before Pharaoh, Pharaoh says that he will not let them go. And they say to Moses that if they, if, if, if they do not voluntarily meet with their God as a congregation in the wilderness, that God will send a pestilence on them. Pestilence and the sword. And they understand that somebody's going to get the pestilence and the sword. If they don't meet with God publicly together, they tell Pharaoh that if Pharaoh doesn't let them do that, then God will send a pestilence on them. Now, Pharaoh was the one that wound up getting the pestilence and the sword. He lost the firstborn, and he was a victim, shall we say, or a willing recipient, perhaps, of the plagues. He'd rather experience the plagues. Think about this. He'd rather experience the plagues than allow God's people to meet together. Do we not have plenty of Pharaohs today? They'll do anything to stop God's people from meeting together. My friends, we need to really seriously consider this because the fact of the matter is God is serious about having his people meet together. Think about it. Out there in the wilderness, think about this if you would please. All those times that they disobeyed God and turned their backs on him, attacked Moses, flagrantly disobeyed God, God still dwelt with them in the fire and the cloud. How many times do we read in Scripture that God dwells among his people? My friends, we're called an assembly for a reason. We're called an assembly because we're supposed to assemble and be together. That's why we're called an assembly. We quote all the time from Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered together. There I am in the midst of them. God desires to dwell in the midst of his people. I want to talk briefly about scattering the sheep here. 
And the fact of the matter is that when the sheep are scattered, they are destroyed. And there's a few things I want to talk about. First of all, as a pastor, I, as a pastor, it's not, it's not my flock. Throughout the scriptures, it's said again and again, it's my flock. God says my flock. And when, we, when he challenges the shepherds, for example, in Ezekiel and other places, he said, you have failed with my flock. It's God's flock. It's not my flock. And in John 10, we see where God says that a hireling flees when, the, when he sees the wolf on the way coming. Here comes the wolf, and the hireling has a decision to make. Do I protect the flock, or do I head for the tall grass, if you will? Now, what's interesting to me, that in John 10, Christ, uh, Christ says this. He says that the hireling flees, and then the sheep get scattered. Listen to this. He says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So what does the stealing and killing look like? He says in the next verse, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care for the sheep. Now, why didn't, why didn't Christ say, you know, the hireling comes and he destroys, or the wolf comes and destroys the sheep? Why not? Because Christ knows, and we should know, that to scatter the sheep, or to scatter the flock, is to destroy the sheep. You can't keep sheep alive unless you keep them together as a flock. There's nothing that more vulnerable. I mean, sheep are vulnerable enough when they're being protected by a shepherd, if you will. But you scatter the sheep with no shepherd, and a sheep is one of the most vulnerable animals in the world. Almost any animal will be able to pick it up, take it away, and destroy it. What's happening now, my friends, think about this is the pastors are voluntarily scattering the sheep. And someone's going to say, oh, man, that's a terrible indictment. You really shouldn't say that. That's awful what you're saying. Think about it. Many pastors are out there saying, hey, you know what? We don't have to meet anymore. It's okay. We can get on social media. We can get on Zoom or whatever. And, we're, and it's, it's just as good. No, it's not. My friends, again, we're called an assembly for a, a, a reason. And Christ says he protects his sheep. And that to scatter the sheep is the same as destroying the sheep. One of the jobs of the shepherd is to keep the sheep as a flock. How can we possibly call ourselves shepherds of Christ's flock? How can we possibly do this and stand by and even aid in the scattering of the flock because of a of a COVID crisis that quite frankly, I mean, we should have seen dead people all over the place by now, but you look at the numbers and I don't want to get into this too much, but this COVID crisis is quite frankly, not a pandemic. I myself, 
I don't know of one single person, not one, in a pandemic. I mean, think about it. Bubonic plague, whatever, Black Death. Everybody knew who somebody, who multiple people who died. I myself don't personally know one person who's died of COVID. And in any case, uh, I will tell you what I do know. I, I, I know of a um, nurse, for example, near here, works at Good Samaritan Hospital, near where I, near where I live told me personally, she works with COVID patients, told me personally, and this was back last summer, that even at that time, she knew of four cases of deaths in her hospital that had been attributed to COVID that were not attributable to COVID. But our government is giving money to hospitals if they say a person dies of COVID. So who knows what the real numbers are? My friends, this COVID pandemic is no reason whatsoever to allow the sheep to be scattered. And yes, that's exactly what we've what we've done here. And it's it's an awful thing, of course. Then next, not only scattering the sheep, but setting a terrible example. Our pastors have done this. Now, how what kind of terrible example have they set? Well, first of all, I'm gonna say this. Here in North America, anyway, the ones fighting the battle against the wannabe communist bureaucratic overlords, it's mostly the small business owners when it should have been the pastors all along. The pastors back in March should have stood up and said, you know what? We smell a rat here. How is it? How is it that you want to close the church while protecting the abortion clinics? How is it? That this COVID thing spreads at church, but doesn't spread in our big box stores like Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's. These are big sort of department stores, if you will, that serve a lot of people. And there's a lot of interaction. These were supposed to, these were so supposed to be, and they were allowed to remain open while the Church of Jesus Christ was supposed to be closed. And that was because we have to social distance. Tell me something. How do, you, how do you perform an abortion while social distancing at the same time? Why did the shepherds not see what was going on here back then? Why didn't they even ask? And I get it. You know, everybody was scared and the CDC people and so forth and the World Health Organization, funded, by the way, and promoted by the United Nations, no friend of Christianity. Why didn't we pastors see it? Why didn't we sniff this out then? Is it because we really don't care about the sheep that much? We're more concerned about our prestige as a quote-unquote shepherd. It's more important to us to look like a shepherd than to be a shepherd. And not only that, I want to talk about something that I believe is completely offensive to Christ, and that is this. Christ tells us how to worship. We have his own commentary in Revelation. Seven churches, the direct commentary of Christ on his own churches. And guess what? He never condemns the church for not paying attention to the civil authorities one time there in those, in those seven churches. And you know what? What's happening now is the enemies of Christ are telling God's people how to worship. Now think about this. It is Christ who died it is Christ who bought his church. It is Christ who intercedes for his church, loves his church. Look at all he's done for his church. And you know what we're doing? 
We're listening to his enemies tell us how to worship him. We're listening to his enemies tell us, well, you can only have so many, so much capacity in your church and you're uh, supposed to social distance and you got to wear a mask and you're not allowed to sing. All these kinds of things are going on in various parts in our North American churches, various churches. And you know what? We're complying. How is it that we are complying with the enemies of Christ when it comes to Christ's worship? And we've discarded the word of Christ himself. I'm going to tell you something. Social distancing, uh, elbow bumps, masks, not singing, not filling our churches to anywhere near close capacity. None of those, my friends, none of those came from Christ. All of them came from his enemies. It's not good. It's a terrible example. And finally, we've covered our faces for no good reason whatsoever, contrary to the example set in Scripture. Now, what am I talking about here? What does the Bible have to say about your face? Well, for one thing, and, and actually the, the three main um, writers in the New Testament actually each address this. I'm talking about Paul. I'm talking about Luke. I'm talking about John. Let's start with Luke, for example. Um, Luke is talking about the about Paul's um, um, discussion there with the Ephesian elders, and in in chapter twenty, verse twenty five, he's talking to the Ephesian elders, and he says to them, "It says, and now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall shall see my face no more." That was not a good thing, because later on, the Ephesian elders are said to be sorrowing. Most of all, for the words which he spoke, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. It was a bad thing, they said, not to see his face anymore. And then let's listen to what Paul himself says to the church in Thessalonica. He says, but uh, we, this is First Thessalonians chapter 2, but we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. He wants to see their face. And later on in chapter 3, verse 10, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Paul's intensely praying to be able to see their face. And we're voluntarily closing, covering up our face. Second and third John, we see the exact same thing here. Here's John speaking. John saying, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. John here is talking about joy and connecting it, connecting it to seeing their face. Apparently, his joy could not be full without seeing their face. And then he says also, but I trust in third John, but I trust to, that I shall shortly see you and we shall speak face to face. This is an important thing to Luke, to Paul, and to John. My friends, we need to see this COVID thing for what it is. It, what it is. It is a horrible attempt by the enemies of Christ, many of them communists, perhaps not all, but many of them communists, to shut down the church of Jesus Christ. I would urge you all, if you've shut down your church, I would urge you to repent I would urge you to preach by word and example the authority of Scripture over the health officials 
and over all government officials as well. And finally, understand the authority of Christ. Caesar has to bow to Christ just like everybody else. Let's preach that. It's been great to be with you. Thank you so much.